Hi everybody, I'm Jason Davis of the Nerd Brand Podcast, the branding and marketing from a nerd's point of view, where we talk about, well, branding and marketing. So we do this on Anchor.fm. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello? Do you think we can keep this at like 45 minutes? Because I've got to talk to uh, the Dungeons and Dragons folks. No. I never thought I'd say that about work. <laughs> There's another quote for the wall. Talk to the Dungeon and Dragons folks. I mean, that's uh, that's what you got to do. It's a I part got, of the. Uh, I got to sell a book. Yep. You we know. are a nerd brand. Yeah. Or they are a nerd brand. Samsung. 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 We're, Samsung? we're talking Samsung today. Uh, you put like a space between Sam and Sung. Samsung. <laughs> Samsung started as a fish market, I believe. Really. In Korea, uh, probably mm-hmm. true. I don't know. Uh, yep. We've got a we, we've got a little bit of Wikipedia page on them. Um, they started trading noodles and other goods produced and exporting them to China in 1938. Well, part of what I marvel at is, and it's not just Korean companies, but lots of Korean and Japanese companies. The diversity of what a particular Japanese corporation will be involved in. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Samsung. Or let's uh, save this for the podcast. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> well, we are technically on the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I typically start this like a Joe Rogan kind of thing. Like we're already in it. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to edit out a couple things here at the beginning because I need to do an opener. But you know, like, hey, everybody, welcome to the Nerd Brand Podcast. I'm here with Jonathan and Mitch, and today we're talking the most valuable brands. This is a the first out of five. That we will be doing, and today we're talking. How do you say it, Mitch? Samsung. Samsung. Yes, we're talking about Samsung. Yeah, believe it or not, Samsung. For those of you listening, um, is number five on our list out of the most valuable brands right now. And uh, you know, I will let you in on a hint as we go through the next uh, five episodes of this, talking about each of these brands. Uh, number one is not Apple. So it's going to be a very, I, I hope, interesting. Uh, thing so uh, you know yeah Samsung was a you know a fish market I suppose is what you said Jonathan something like a grocery trading store yeah started in 1938 yeah they you know Samsung has been I, I've known them for televisions and then when they got into the smartphone market and um, you know I've always liked their product um, I, I just have now. Uh, I've also known that it's a little bit more pricier than some of the other brands out there that I've, uh, you know, had to go and buy as far as televisions go. But and I've never owned a Samsung phone. You know, I'm 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 a Apple person, so um, I can't really, you know, give any kind of review about Samsung's smartphone products and 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 you know or any of that. But um, have either of you used Samsung before or? 
purchased any items that were made by them? The first television I ever owned of, of my own was a like a 12-inch Samsung color television, and it lasted forever. Huh. Well, there you go. I have not really, oddly enough, I guess I might have one or two TVs in the house from them, but uh, I've never used any of their any of their mobile phones. And uh, my sister has a dishwasher from them, which, as Mitch was saying, just kind of it always impresses me too that that they're in so many different. You know, they're an electronics company, not just a kind of buried into one industry or niche. Yeah, and right. That, it's it's it that seems to be kind of kind of a common thread with Korean and Japanese companies. They tend to be they tend to have their fingers on a lot of one Japanese or a South Korean corporation will have their finger in many different segments. I mean, they may have heavy equipment, cars, electronics, fishing equipment. Um, I mean, if you use a bit, uh, this is kind of a tangent, a Yamaha, for example, um, I have a Yamaha guitar, there's Yamaha motorcycles that they, they make a ton. Their pianos are, are pretty well known. The number of different things that these the Japanese and South Korean companies, the number of the the number of different segments that one corporation can be involved in is kind of it's always fascinating. Yeah, well, right now their brand value, and uh, we'll kind of get into that term, brand value, brand valuation, but it's ninety four billion dollars, and um, South Korea also. Fun fact: that's uh, I believe one of the largest shipping ports or places where they build ships essentially um, in the world. I mean, you've got quite a few people there. A lot of big stuff comes out of there that they build as far as, uh, you know, boats. So, I mean, Korea is, uh, I watched a thing on uh, as a, either a learning channel or, or discovery channel or something where they were, you know, the way that there's this big bay that separates two, two of the major cities and in order to get to the one, you have to drive all the way around the bay. And it's like, you know, not an entire day drive, but it's pretty long to get there. And so they're, you know, building a bridge was not really, you know, they probably could. Hello, Boto. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the office phone is ringing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know we had one of those. When did that happen? <laughs> the receptionist is at lunch. <laughs> They're they're old people and they still have a home phone. <laughs> That's okay, mine do too. With well, great big well, with great big numbers. That's ridiculous, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, as you as you walked away, I thought it, it's like you know, well, you know, it is lunchtime. Our receptionist must be at lunch. Um, we forgot she, she forgot to hand off to whoever's supposed to cover her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, uh, you know. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it was fine. Anyways, I was saying it was an interesting show because they actually built it under the water, and it's a tunnel. We're talking about ships, right? Well, we're talking about just South Korea because okay. that's where Samsung's headquartered. Um, but you know, brand value. Um, you know, hey, Mitch, what's what's that? <laughs> You mean brand? What is brand value? Brand, you know, brand value is the the collective value in the marketplace of a brand. Um, 
I mean, it, it, we talked was it, we were talking last week about brand equity. Uh, it's basically the the capital that your brand builds over time in the mind and its position of of recognition within the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. So you got tech, banking, retail, telecom, auto, media. You know, where where does it all sit within that? Uh, and as far as economy too in the world, I mean. Um, you know, how much, how much territory does it occupy, uh, as far as that goes, uh, brand strength indexing, brand royalty rate, brand revenues, get you all the brand value. Uh, there's a real, there's a really interesting, um, infographic on it on visualcapitalist.com that, uh, kind of lays it out and and is, uh, sort of the model for the the podcast for the next uh, few episodes here for us to discuss. And so we'll post that link. Um, but it's, you know. Samsung distinction, is, right? Between, uh, I just don't want to confuse people. There's a distinction between brand equity and brand value, right? Yes, you're right. So brand value is the the financial right significance, and equity is the you know, I guess it could be financial, but it's it's in this context, it's more of how important is the brand to the customer? I guess would be a a way to put it. But there's a distinction, I think. No, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So when you look at the value, yeah, we are talking about economics here in the marketplace and not in the heart and the mind of people. You know, hear phrases like top of mind. You know, that's this is not that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, top of mind is not Samsung when I think of, you know, X, Y, Z. I mean, I, I just don't. I'm not, you know, my, my top of mind when it comes to technology, I'm going to go to Apple because Apple has more brand equity than Samsung, in my opinion. Um, and so I that for me. You know, and that's sort of the way that goes because I'm more of their audience than I am Samsung. And and I, you know, for those out there that hate iOS, that's fair. Uh, it's got its problems, um, you know. But I just got in early. I mean, I bought an iPhone 3G. Uh, that was my first iPhone, and then ever since then, you know, I kind of never looked back. And the same went for me with uh, laptops. You know, I owned a, my last PC was probably uh, I want to say 2008. And then, um, you know, I bought a MacBook and then after that, a MacBook Pro. And I just never looked back, you know, because, you know, for me, it was the reliability of it. Now, I think brand equity does play into the brand value as far as like economics, like Mitch said at some point, Mm -hmm. because you get enough of the audience together and enough people love it. then it's just going to like snowball and grow Um, on this podcast. There's only one of us still using a PC. Don't call me out like that. <laughs> I have an iPhone. But you're gonna it's it's start proselytizing. I, th- I think there's value. I think there's value in one of the team being on the PC side because it shows we can we have our feet in both in both realms. I like them both. I mean, I I had a MacBook you know, for three years at another agency in the past and didn't use Windows for I don't know that entire three years basically. I mean, I. I just didn't touch Windows and almost to the point of forgetting how to use it. And then I got a, you know, got away from that agency and bought my own laptop. And the pricing was was the big factor. So I like it. It gets the job done, Jason. <laughs> and in the end, isn't that what really matters? It is. It's on, it's on year five and it's still kicking, even though it blue screens every, you know, every month. But <laughs> so far, I haven't had that happen during the client meeting. So that's that's the important thing. Well, you know, they say that when Apple, when it has issues, that it's not uh, a fault of the iOS, it's a feature. 
uh, that's what bugs are commonly known as. I, that's what I was told years ago. It's like, no, no, it's, that's, that's not a thing. That's not a problem. That's Apple's fault. That's a feature. Uh, I was like, hmm, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I will say that I will say this, and this we're we're kind of off on a rabbit trail here, but um, any most of the problems I've had on an Apple product have had less to do with the the machine or the mechanism or the operating system. It's generally been with an application Compendium. or 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 a, uh, some some function other than the actual hardware and saw and operating system. Um, there isn't, there was one exception to that, um, that I did have a physical malfunction with an old Apple tower. I had, uh, the, the solder on the circuit board cracked. Um, but, you just have to pop it in the oven. <laughs> that's well, <laughs> I heard that, but I was too scared to do it. I mean, nothing I, like, you know, I, I did that with a graphics card a long time ago and it actually worked. Um, really? Well, this was, this was on the motherboard and it was like, yeah. Do I really want to pop this motherboard out and put it in the oven? I mean, granted, it wasn't working anyway. I don't think I could have heard it any worse, but uh, maybe I should have. I was young. I was like 17, and my mom was like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm baking my graphics card. The internet, the internet said to do it. <laughs> and then it worked, and I was relinquished. <laughs> the internet said to do it. Yeah. If the internet told you to jump off a bridge, Jonathan, would you do that too? Yeah, maybe. Uh, if the water was deep enough. <laughs> um, so you know, Samsung. We... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Samsung's got a great, um, you know, we in, in nerd brand, we talk about, you know, finding your why and then, you know, or just helping you articulate that in a, in a way because of what we believe about that everything is an ad. And uh, Samsung's uh, story is uh, we exist to create human-driven innovations that defy barriers to progress. Um, they even hashtag that, do what you can. Mm-hmm. That's been their big big campaign, really, since the the Note 7 issues. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you want to talk about that one? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so I think everybody kind of remember, I think it was, was what, 2016? Um Everybody kind of remembers the Note 7 hit headlines because it was the battery was malfunctioning and basically causing the phones to explode. Um, uh, not, not a feature. A, not a feature. <laughs> That's a bomb. <clears throat> Almost as good as uh, Samsung's dishwasher uh, tops flying off. So, <laughs> oh, uh, no, I've, not heard, heard, I've, not, I've not heard that one. And, that they're, one and, <laughs> and they're washing machines. Their washing machine lids would, would fly off. Uh, wow. I guess that's what I'm, uh, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, that happened, I think, a couple of years after the Note 7. So they've had some struggles. Um, but yeah, so that was happening. You know, it wasn't super widespread from, from what I read or from what I remember. Uh, I feel like it was like 30 instances, which is far too many. <laughs> if you've distributed, you know, tens of thousands or however many phones. Um but uh, it was it was a big deal. AT and T halted sales. T Mobile followed after that. Uh, you know, Samsung's mobile sales dropped fifteen percent by October twenty sixteen, and you know, so it was a it was a huge hit for the company. And the, the VP of communications at Samsung even came out and was quoted as saying, "You know, we became a meme. They became kind of the butt of jokes <laughs> at the beginning of every flight, and you know, people were being turned away from their flight for having a, a Note 7. 
So it was definitely bad optics in the market. Um, you know, your, your stereotypical kind of PR disaster and, and crisis management issue. Um, but they actually get a lot of, of credit, you know, throughout the media and, and from PR professionals for how they handled everything. Um, it kind of helps to have the bankroll that Samsung does to be able to, to do what they did. But they hired 700 researchers and engineers and tested over 200,000 phones and 30,000 batteries. And then uh, once they kind of figured out the issue, they, they issued a global recall um, pretty quickly, too, you know, uh, and recalled tens of thousands of phones across the globe, which was probably something a lot of companies wouldn't have done. Um, they also issued a, an eight-point battery safety check for customers that allowed them to test the safety of their phone and, and gave them a lot of instructions and clear direction on how to exchange it or how to fix the get the issue fixed. Um, they gave U.S. consumers a, a $25 credit when they returned their Note 7. It's not, not much, but in these situations, you know, a, a little bit of something is definitely better than nothing and kind of incentivize that recall. So they did a lot of things right. Uh, I think there were some bigger restructuring things kind of culturally with the company. Uh, I don't really know what the, the ultimate fallout was from that. But, uh, you know, you, you can see that they've they've definitely moved past this issue and um, I think did a good job kind of protecting the brand equity, protecting the brand's reputation and, and putting the customer first. Yeah, I mean, they kind of took a very bold move in what they did with the recall. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of one of those things where you kind of have to, you know, with with what was happening. I mean, I remember other brands having, um, and I won't name them out, but, you know, having an issue. And it was more or less instead of them correcting the issue and owning it, they kind of pushed it off to the customer and said, you're just doing it wrong or using it wrong. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> you know, you kind of look on that. I, I think that, you know, the difference between that and uh, what Samsung did, it was much better what Samsung did and how they handled it. Yeah. Um, so I, I like their, you know, whole thing that's built, innovation built on can't. You know, when you say you can't do something, well, okay, that's usually the end of the conversation with some. Mm. With, them, with them, it's like, hmm, hold my beer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, from what I from what I know, like I said, I've not used their devices, but they're they're always pushing the edge and and you know doing things that other companies aren't. I mean, that's what makes them stand out. Yeah, yeah. So you know, compared to Apple with brand positioning, um, you know, is there is there any you know like should it matter about the value and the costs between the two? Uh, devices or whatever the product is in, in reference to brand positioning and to that. I know obviously with value it does because we're talking economic, with the economic side of that, but uh, they've adopted a different strategy compared to Apple. Mitch, what do you think? Well, from what I understand, if you look at, you know, if you look at like the latest Apple phone and then you look at the latest Samsung phone price-wise, it's, there's not a whole lot of difference. Um, they do offer different, more models of phone, than iPhone does. Um, um, but you kind of have to wonder if maybe part of the appeal, but the difference between the Samsung owner 
any iPhone owner is that it's like the difference we were talking about before between the, the, the hardcore PC audience and the hardcore Apple audience. Um, I tend to think that the it, the similarity there is that the PC people tend to be more, I don't want to say tinkerers, they like some flexibility with the device and the operating system. They like to be able, they, they don't want to be locked in, tied down to a lot of, well, back to Samsung, part of their brand promise, you know, the whole, you know, enabling people to do more. Um, Android is an open source operating system. So it, it gives, it kind of provides a playground and, an, and more opportunity for more different kinds of apps. Uh, by the same token, you look at Apple, they're much stricter about the availability of apps for their products. But that's because I believe Apple, it's, it's a quality control function. They want to make sure whatever app is on their device takes best advantage of the device and provides the best user experience. So you've got two different core audiences. Consistent user experience, flexibility, and um, ability to explore, if you will. I mean, right down to the fact that with a with the Samsung phone, I believe you can you can take the batteries in and out. You can you can switch batteries. I know you used to do it with some models. So just they appeal to two different mindsets, I think. Um, the nice thing is that there's room in the marketplace for both because you, it, 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 you know, it, it, I mean, whether it's athletic wear, shoes, food, you know, not everybody likes the same thing and is looking for the same kind of experience. What is a quality user experience for an Apple user is different than what it is for a Samsung user. Yeah. I mean, and Samsung's got a nice, I mean, they're, I mean, I'll be honest with you when comparing to Apple, I've always felt Samsung's been more innovative in, in the market um, with the technology they have. Uh, you know, if you've not seen it, uh, they've had, uh, of course, they have the new, they've got an event coming up in, on August 5th for, I believe, the, um, oh, what phone is it? Uh, the Galaxy. And, uh, but they've got a, you know, <coughs> these, these full screen devices that fold, you know, with the, uh, the Z that they have. And, uh, that didn't work out too well the first time they launched it. Or was that, was that Samsung? I believe it was. I'm going to make a guess on that and say it was, but, uh, cause I've not seen anybody else do the whole like screen that actually folds in that way. I mean, we, you know, when you go to like, um, technology shows, I think screens and dis or just displays that are flexible have been, you know, something played with for a long time, but I don't know of any other um, maker of phones that actually took it to market as aggressively as Samsung has tried to and continues. Yeah, um, I mean, I, it, I, yeah, I th but again, I think it goes back to that whole, you know, you know, kind of a why not mentality, you know, they're willing to take the risk and say, what the heck, let's do it. Because that's the, because that's the mindset of their, of their audience. They, they, their, their share of the marketplace is, has that mindset. They want different, right? They want, they want to stretch. Um, that whereas the Apple audience, 
what the, the stretch they want is is not so much in diversity of the hardware or or I mean I don't mean this in a negative way, but gimmicks. Whereas it's a consistent user experience with that device from device to device, whether it's the iPhone, your MacBook Pro, uh, your um, your uh, iPods, uh, I don't know the you know the the, the new earbuds. Um, it's a consistent experience across all those channels, a consistent quality and consistent a con- consistent. Um, usability yeah well i kind of look at samsung like the pepsi versus coke thing you know uh coke makes coke products right soft drinks but pepsi is in you know orange juice uh, doritos and they're a food company so they're kind of part of a i guess you could say conglomerate and that's what samsung is you know samsung's in you know, we talked about appliances that apparently fly apart at certain <laughs> speeds. Um, yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a Samsung <laughs> microwave, you know. Um, and so, you know, they make all kinds of other things from appliances to, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, photography. Um, you know, they're kind of like Sony was, you know, or is, I guess. But I've not seen a Sony television in years. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like, that's kind of how I look at them. Whereas you look at Apple, Apple does this and that's it. But, but Samsung is completely qualified to do the same thing. Uh, and it's funny that, you know, their approach is to say, yeah, whatever, you know, which is sort of in the vein of what Apple was trying to do with the whole thing different when they started out aggressively, um, when they came up the iPhone or everything. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see some of the stuff that Samsung does and I, and I don't dislike it. I, I think that they have a great product. I think they've got a great brand. Um, it's amazing that it's, you know, how it's grown. Well, I, I mean, they've done what any successful brand wants to do, and it's, it, it, builds, it builds that brand value, and it's a consistently good experience for their – a consistently positive experience, even with the setbacks. Um, but a consistent, consistent, consistently positive experience for the for the user. The other side of that, and you have to keep in mind. I mean, they going to the diversity. They can take those risks because they can take the financial hit because they they're diverse. Are, are yeah. right because yeah. diversity. Apple, while they have real, I mean, when you go back, I mean, they were a computer company. Now they're a lot. They do they they make several things, but it's still limited to within a certain sphere of its communications and. And, and digital experience. Um, that maybe that's part of why Apple sticks to that. Well, but it's but that's just been true of who they are anyway since Jobs was running the company. Mm-hmm. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is what this is what it feels like to experience an Apple product, regardless of which product you're interacting with. Yeah, well, I don't think it goes a lot back to. You know, it all evolves out of the customer that you're trying to attract. And like you like you alluded to, uh, you know, you have those stereotypical adopter categories of early adopters. You've got innovators and uh, people who lag when it comes to technology. I mean, people buy technology for different reasons. Like you said, the people that Samsung wants, at least in the, you know, in the mobile market space, they appeal to and they want the attention of, of innovators and the early adopters. Um I think Apple, I think it's interesting that, you know, when the iPhone and, and smartphones first started, 
I think Apple tried to appeal to that group, and it's almost like they they caught that group in their infancy and they grew them into kind of this this early majority, late majority type of customer who adopts technology because it's it's what the majority adopts and it's just normal and it feels good and it works. Whereas Samsung is still kind of going after that, you know, we want these, we want these innovators, these people who are thinking outside the box, or at least that's how we want to come across. And so you have to, you've got to do different things to appeal to those different audiences. And I think that's, that's really what influences a lot of, you know, Samsung's product development. And likewise with Apple, they, they focus on keeping things stable they focus on keeping things you know you're going to get what you expect um i mean that's a business strategy it's very intentional yeah it it almost makes you wonder i mean the what you expect with apple was very specific Mm -hmm. what you expect with samsung is less specific it's broader it's it's and and what i mean by that is the type of thing that would appeal to a to a mass more of a mass audience you're going to expect a quality product. You're going to do all the things you want to do with it. Um, yeah, it's it's got the open source uh, Android operating system for the nerds, if you will. So you're appealing to a little bit of that segment too. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, you wonder if there's a segment that doesn't appeal to app that Apple doesn't appeal to because maybe they think, well, that's not that's too techy for me. Mm-hmm. Well, when, 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 which is to me is kind of counterintuitive because one of the things Apple's always capitalized on is you don't have to be a tech nerd to use our stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, every every company's got you hear about this DNA of branding and all that. I think that that with this Apple, or, you know, Samsung is again, I just keep going back to the Pepsi and Coke thing because Coke could not pull off what Pepsi's doing because they don't have the connections. They don't have the logistics behind them. I mean, they don't have the investment in, in, in going down that path. And even though they could get that, I, it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't be worth it if they're so strong in doing what they do best. So, and, you know, it's kind of like when you do something really well, that's your strength. If you're weak in this area, it's your weakness. It's never going to become a strength because it's a weakness and they may recognize that. So there's this awareness internally. They probably know that that's not something they should go for. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's the whole Apple mentality of things you, you, you could, I mean, we could discuss for hours how much of a, of a benefit is it? How much of a li- at the same time, how much of a liability is it? How much does that handcuff you by giving yourself such a defined space to work in by giving yourself such, such defined parameters? The beauty of it though is, and it goes back to what something, I mean, something you said earlier about Apple discovering early on that this was a, this experience they were offering was so unique that marriage of visual and physical style, ease of operation, consistent operation and consistent experience. I mean, they, when you really think about it, they really hit a sweet spot that is so rare for any other manufacturer, not to turn this into an Apple conversation because we're talking about Samsung, but it makes it all, all that much more interesting. Well, it's their biggest you, competitor. Right. It, it, it just makes it right. It's just so much more interesting that even, you know, Apple's got ridiculous success on that end, but doing it in the different fashion and more of a, 
it's it's a combination of mass audience with a little bit of a different kind of nerd audience and still be hugely successful. It's it's the magic of the marketplace. Um, there's room. The marvel of the marketplace is that there's room for so many approaches because, you know, people are individuals. Yeah, you can. There are commonalities among people, but each person is looking for something a little different. But when you can tune into that, but still hit a broad audience, you've you've done something. And that, but again, the marketplace is big enough for people to go out there and stretch and find a unique a unique spot in the consumer mindset. Yeah, that, that they can capitalize on. Well, and there is a, uh, you know, when, when you develop a brand, there's always that thing like, what am I, what's my return on my investment for doing this? And we can go all on hours on that one too. But, you know, financial forecasting, the role of the brand, the strength of the brand, all of those play, those are the pillars that play into the, you know, brand value. Um, you know, the financial being like the return of the organization, like its investors or its economic profit. We just hit on all that. The, the role of the brand, the, 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 the purchasing decision attributed to the brand, you know, that, that, that uh, you know, equity we talked about, um, you know, like, uh, like I like this or that basically, but also how it quantifies into the percentage of the other, of other things globally in sales. Um, well, it, it, you know, one of, the things too, one of the things we've touched on kind of tangentially, we haven't said it, I mean, maybe we did a little early, but the whole why, uh, why Samsung, at least in their phone extensions, exist is is we've just defined it because they appeal to a to a little bit more of a mass audience, and still a little bit of that nerd, that a little bit of tech nerd. Mm-hmm. That's I mean that's sort of builds into their why, and we've talked about Apple's sort of why because of who they appeal to. I mean the loyalists, brand loyalists, people who find a brand they fall in love with, and you continue to nurture that relationship. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that, and that's kind of like the, it creates that loyalty, and that's the third pillar is the brand strength. Uh, you know, it's it's the ability of that brand to create loyalty that also affects, um, you know, sustainable demand and profit, which affects the value of the brand, the brand value. So um, they do it really well. I mean, they've uh, done a 3.5% increase, you know, and that's as of today for 2020 during pandemic. And, um it's impressive. I mean, uh, they're still going to have, I don't know how they're going to do their event on August 5th, but, um, you know, that's all being probably going to be virtual, um, like many of things moving forward. But, um, you know, I, I like Samsung. I can say that without, you know, losing my Apple card. <laughs> <laughs> but you still don't own a Samsung phone. No, that's I what don't. I was going to ask, why, why? I mean, I think all three of us, we don't own, we have never owned a Samsung device, right? Uh, not a not a personal device, but I, I can say from televisions, for example, um, you know, uh, in comparison to other brands, I mean, th- there's a reason why when you go to the stores and you see like all these televisions hung up and they're next to each other, I've always noticed the clarity in their devices compared to others, you know, and, and that's why they cost a little more. But I've always thought I've just always liked their technology. I've, that's the the side that I've been attracted to. I've not done this appliance, even though I own a Samsung appliance. I don't really. It's not my the first thing I think of, you know. Uh, and and a lot of that I think has to do with the fact that it's a South Korean company and the market that 
they have a lot of brand value in is in South Korea. If you go to their Facebook page, it's definitely targeting that audience and that region. Mm -hmm. And so that's a good indication of where you can see, even though the page is managed out of the U.S. and Colombia as well, mm. um, you know, and India, you know, which is another market that they really want to stretch into. Um, you know, you can tell right now with all the latest posts on Facebook, that's who it is. Um, but, you know, it's I, I like it because I, I, I like brands. I like how things present like the rest of us do. And. You know, they're one that actually has always stood out to me. I mean, I always see them doing commercials. I always see them doing stuff. So, um, you know, that's why I like. I just like how it's designed and how it's presented. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a positive view of them for sure. I, you know, again, I don't know about the appliance market, but I don't think the appliance market as a whole is <laughs> it's anything to write home about. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm comfortable with my iPhone. Uh, I've never been uncomfortable with it. And I don't know, I'm definitely not one who really cares for the open source stuff. I don't, I don't even know the real benefits of that, even though I've been in kind of a, a technology world for my whole career. I don't really even know why open source is so important to someone like me. I guess it's not, but I guess to developers and things like that, it would be more, more significant. Well, it, 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 it I think there's, some cachet and the idea, hey, I have a device and you know what? It's operating system. It's open source. Anybody can play with it. There's like a, it's almost like a status mm -hmm. symbol kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, well, open source <laughs> is this, uh, it kind of goes into the vein of a free internet, I think. And for some right. people that yeah. may hear that, other people that hear that think like what you all just said, that anybody can do anything with it. That's not true, especially like with WordPress. WordPress is an open source CMS, but no, John, Jack, and Billy can't go in there and rewrite core code and affect, you know, the billions of websites that are using WordPress as their mm -hmm. base system for their content to manage it. That's not going to happen. Automatic is the company that actually oversees WordPress, and WordPress.org is the um, open source portion of WordPress because it's a nonprofit. WordPress.com is for profit, and for that, you need lots and lots of money if you want to jump into a VIP type of WordPress type thing. That does exist. Um, but WordPress.org being open source, it's still heavily, heavily monitored themes and plugins and different parts of core through how WordPress is made through make.wordpress.org. Uh, so there's a lot of accountability there. You know, so I would imagine the same thing exists there as well with the, you know, with Android and, and all that, even though Android's gotten more uh, of a rap of being, you know, compromised with apps mm -hmm. and things like that because of open source. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing about it. And that's, you know, one of the things that we'll talk about when we get to Apple is they don't do that and why. Right. And, and then there's a movie that's out there that we'll kind of like use as a base for that that was actually – a very good movie with Kate Winslet, and uh, the name of it escapes me, but uh, it's a very good movie. Um, I know that she's in it because I love her as an actress. Uh, but, uh, you know, that'll be for that episode. Good deal. I mean, I, yeah. I think, too, you know, for me personally, just thinking back of my my lifetime with Apple, it's kind of crazy when I'm, you know, 13, 14 years old getting the iPod Classic, the 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 bigger one that's kind of, rectangular and has the big screen on it and i mean it was almost like a as an iphone that wasn't an iphone right right and then you had the iTouch. i never had one of those i jumped from the 
the iPod to an iPhone early on with like the 3G or something like that too. But it's interesting that, I mean, that's kind of my, my past with Apple and I never had, you know, I liked the technology. I liked the simplicity of it back in the day. You, you, you know, I'm going to admit to downloading songs, but you dropped them into iTunes and then you plugged it in and it synced and then you had your music everywhere you went. Yeah. I mean, that was the coolest thing ever at that time. <laughs> and it still is. I mean, now you stream everything and magic happens and somehow you, you manage to get any amount of music you want, you know, on any device in your car or whatever without plugging into anything or syncing anything. It's just kind of incredible to, to have seen the evolution that quickly. I mean, we're talking, what, 10 years, 12 years, uh, or the, the iPhone it was uh, a uh, 2000 i believe it was 2007 yeah so about 13 was, years yeah that's crazy yeah because the the ipad was the ipad was 2010 and that's right or close to that time and that's right around uh, responsive design came out for websites that's when that i know that's 2011 is when responsive design went mainstream but it was already existing in 2010 but a lot of people hadn't started converting their sites yet for right because when you look at ads, you know, you got display ads at certain sizes that, you know, people look at. It's like, why is that ad 320 pixels wide? Well, because the iPhone was 320 pixels wide. <laughs> right. And if you turn the iPhone onto landscape, it was 480 pixels. And that's why you have an ad size of 480 pixels wide. Well, why do you have it? Why do you have an ad that's 728 pixels wide? Because the iPad on portrait was 768 pixels wide. It's just amazing how much Apple has driven, how much innovation Apple has driven in the, in the digital communication mm -hmm. arena. Well, when you swipe on the phone with your thumb, you know, you're touching that. It's a heat sensitive screen. And so Apple said, you know, recommended space between calls to actions and stuff. They recommended 40 pixels. And everybody's like, where'd they come up with that? Well, somebody measured their thumb, no kidding, and said, that's how big it needs to be. So whenever somebody says, well, why do you have so much white space between stuff on your, you know, website or on my website? And like, well, pull out your phone and I'll show you why. Because you don't want to accidentally fat finger something. That's why. And Apple's the one that actually came up. I think it's 44 pixels is what they came up with. So, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's where it all comes up with. So when somebody says, oh, I don't want too much white space, I laugh because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, cram all that together and watch what Google does to you on the console. It's going to go, <laughs> eh, eh, too right. close. <laughs> right. And that's why Samsung is such a strong brand. <laughs> number five. Yeah, well, they, it, Apple's it, not in the top five. Uh, yes, they are. Apple's in the top five, but they are not number one. I did. If for, if anybody's interested, you can see how this evolution all began between Apple, where the Sam, where Samsung from the phone market came from. If you look at the Forbes article at uh, go to Forbes.com, they had an article um, a while back that discussed the whole dynamic, how it all started, and it's fascinating. And the the bottom line is Samsung wouldn't be in the phone marketplace if it were not for Apple, and a little bit. Vice versa. 
Well, you know, just to, it, it's because of who got there first. That's that's all. I mean, it's not a lot of credit. But a lot of credit goes to to Apple and Steve Jobs and a lot of the people there. Steve Wozniak, you know, if I think, think if I said that name right, because um, he's kind of the unsung hero of it. Um, he's played by uh, Seth Rogen in the movie that I mentioned. Um, but uh, so, anyways, we hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, you know, tune in for the next one. Uh, we're going to go through the FOP. To the fop type brands, the what? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, those. <laughs> Did you just have a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's possible because you know, like I said, you know, thank God it's Friday. Uh, but yeah, um, I literally no. who who is it? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go through the five most valuable brands in the world for twenty. Next week, number four. Number four is Microsoft. Uh, they are back in the game. Uh, they are number four. So next episode, we're talking about Microsoft. So tune in to the next Nerd Brand Podcast, everybody. We'll have uh, Bill Gates here with us. <laughs> Must we? <laughs> At least in spirit. <laughs> yeah, maybe in spirit. Uh, we're hoping to get a couple of guests to come on to the show the next couple of episodes. So guys, stay tuned. And remember, keep your Nerd Brand strong. <laughs>